Hi, I'm Liam Ford, founder and CEO of The Zone, and welcome to The Zone Way Podcast. The Zone Way Podcast is a deep dive with my guests into leadership and organizations. It reflects our work together over the last 25 years in more than 35 countries. My guests bring the richness and authenticity of lived experience that ripples beyond textbooks into our everyday lives, illuminating the challenges, the celebrations, successes and failures we will all face. The Zone Way is a philosophy, a methodology and a set of tools to create enlightened leaders and enlightened organizations. Welcome and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Zone Way podcast, where you get to listen in to some pretty cool leaders. So today's pretty cool leader is Daniel McCarthy, and he looks after a fast-growing tech business here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And he talks quite a lot about this need for people to be hungry and how you need to follow not only your head, but also your gut and your heart if you want to be successful over the longer term. So listen in and let's enjoy those gold nuggets together. Hi, and welcome to the Zone Way podcast. And today's guest is uh, Daniel McCarthy, who's the CEO of Mobile Mentor. We'll, we'll come to that later. And Hi, Liam. How are you? How are you, Daniel? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, of course. And, and of course, we're both in New Zealand, or Aotearoa, as we call it. And we actually don't live too far away, but we haven't been able to meet up since the lockdown. So uh, I was just having a good catch up with Daniel. So like, what what's happened since we last talked? And well, it sounds like there's been a lot of growth because you're in the in the tech business. And while some businesses have suffered a lot in the pandemic, there's other businesses that have sort of had, you know, real, real growth. And yeah, we've been on the lucky side of that coin, I have to say. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. But we met through an organization that you're proud to be part of and love dearly called YPO, Young Presidents Organization. And just sort of to orientate listeners, tell us a little bit about YPO, because I don't think it, you know, I know it's a huge organization worldwide, but maybe maybe people in, in New Zealand and Australia don't know so much about it. So what can you tell us about YPO, uh, Daniel, first? YPO is... Um a CEO membership organization that's really driven by the, the, I guess, the love of learning and leadership, right? The mm. members, we all recognize that we learn from each other. And people often say this, the CEO role is a, is a lonely, lonely place to be. And so the CEO network, which is 30,000 plus CEOs across the world, really is there to support each other and help each other be better, be better leaders, be better family people, be better parents, better husbands, wives, the whole package, right? Better humans, I guess. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and, uh, and in New Zealand, there's, I don't know, 60-something of us, part of YPO New Zealand. Okay. And mm. we meet regularly and we, it's not about giving each other advice, but really about supporting each other through our various challenges, some of them business, some of them personal some of them environmental, whatever, whatever those challenges may be. And I guess I found it, I joined YPO or I was asked, to, invited to join YPO a few years back when I had my first CEO role and had some, some pretty difficult challenges to deal with then. Um, and the, you know, the group helped me work through those. The kind of discussions you can't have with 
sometimes with even your, your family or your, your friends because of confidentiality or whatever. So it's been a great, I guess, source of learning, inspiration, camaraderie uh, for me. Mm. I'm now the chair here in New Zealand, and that's really just a job of, of kind of keeping the organization growing and sort of on, on track. And I really enjoy that. I enjoy that part of the membership. Mm, that's great. So, so yeah, I was been working with YPO for about 15 years now. So I've been in the network as a facilitator and a coach, and that's how come we got connected. But I think that one statistic that blew my mind was that if you netted up all the revenue that all the CEOs have, it's going to be one of the world's biggest economies. I mean, it's just massive. That's right. I should know this number. Um <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna put me on the spot. I was hoping. I was hoping. I know should that. know this number, but it's um, and I may be able to find it while we're talking. But um, yeah, this. The, the, I mean, the, the the YPO network and the CEOs and YPO network are responsible for, I mean, literally trillions of dollars of of, of economic, you know, activity and and I mm. again the number of the number of people employed in YPO led organizations is huge across the world. And and I guess that just means that you get access, or someone like me gets access to insights that I can reach out. I mean, I'm literally having a conversation right now with a CEO from Costa Rica who's looking at sending their son to New Zealand for university and just reached out to me for advice. Wow. And I'm helping him and his son sort of figure out the, the way to, to New Zealand. And that applies the other way around. If I needed something in some far-flung place and I needed to reach out, I'd reach out through the YPO network first off and, and ask for support and advice. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the power mm. of, of real power of YPO. And I guess the, the other side of it is as we learn and as we become, as I call it, better humans, better leaders, I'd like to think that we have an impact on that economic activity and wealth in, in the world, right? It's about um, bringing bringing yeah, economic yeah. prosperity to the countries we operate in. Yeah, I, and I know that a lot of the forums or the groups that you know these little circles of CEOs that I've worked with over the time, they also, you know, one of the things that really impressed me is you know besides trying to be better humans, like actively leaning into it, not just reading about it, but actually leaning into it and challenging each other, and that they are doing a lot of work in the community as well. And so you know, I've been sort of roped into several community projects and they said, oh, you're a facilitator, so come and paint these houses with us or come and do this. And it's, it's fantastic. So, yeah. So besides this podcast, if anyone wants to know more about YPO, then reach out to, reach out to Daniel, of course. Um, yeah, or just look up ypo.org online. It's, uh, there's, there's, okay. there's loads of resources on there. You can look yeah, great. Yeah, that was a sort of a long way of getting, in, <laughs> getting into <laughs> this podcast, which is, which is more about sharing insights and learnings in your journey to become a leader because there's, there's lots of people that are listening to this around the world and some of them will be very experienced CEOs or, and executives and some of them will be new and some of them will be you know, on their path to getting to a CEO role. So how could you sort of summarize just your journey to where you are now at Mobile Mentor? Because I mean, I've never found life to be a straight line, and maybe sometimes careers aren't. So, no, that's right. I, I twenty years ago, and if you'd asked me what I'd be doing now, I wouldn't have said I'd be <laughs> the CEO of a tech business in New Zealand. That's for sure. Can't remember where would I have been twenty years ago? Probably in the states. But I guess 
a couple of things come to mind when you ask me that question. I don't have a straight answer, as you say. It's not a straight line. It's not like I've, I kind of I graduated in engineering at university, and it's you know come out of an engineering degree, and then I did a postgrad, and it's not the first thing I thought of was not I want to be a CEO of a company, right? Yeah. Where, where was that? Where were you? Where did you graduate, uh, Daniel? I studied in the UK. I was at Cambridge uh, in the UK, mm. and I did uh, engineering there. To the surprise of my parents, because they always said I don't have a practical bone in my body. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so you, probably um, did, you probably did it just to just to test them. They're like, "Oh, see, I can." <laughs> I figured maths would get me through everything in life, but yeah. So, and they were right. I didn't really go into engineering. I ended up at Procter and Gamble in uh, first in in IT and then in in marketing. But mm. I guess that's the point. I personally, I've always just followed my my gut and my heart in terms of what I want to do next. And I was, you know, I was lucky coming out of college. There were a few job options at the time. And I thought I wanted to, you know, the job that was offered to me was, was what I took on because I thought I liked the people I, that I was dealing with. And, you know, you just, you literally do follow a little bit of your heart. And I mean, when you're a graduate or, you know, 21, 22, and someone's offering a job, you just, you don't really know what it is. You haven't, you haven't been in the workforce working the hours and so on. You may have done some intern job, maybe you've got, which I had. I had worked before going to university in the city of London, and I'd worked through my summers in an engineering firm. But you sort of have some ideas, but you don't really know. And then I guess leadership, leadership for me was always something that I was interested in. Again, it was kind of a natural thing for me. At university, I had some leadership roles. And when I started work, you know, I started taking on responsibility for managing interns or or recruiting or, or whatever it was and i guess i just learned through experience i mean you don't really go to a school apart from maybe mbas but you don't really go to a school that teaches you how to be a leader mm. the school of life is what teaches you how to be a leader and so one job at a time i learned to lead whether it was one person two people 700 people <laughs> You learn, wow. to, you learn to lead different scale organizations by just taking, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, I guess. Mm. And, and my job changes have always been driven by a desire to find the next challenge. Right. And still keeping, keeping the culture that I wanted to, to work in, but find the next challenge for me. And literally, I ended up in mobile mentoring because I met someone through someone who happened to own this the great business called Mobile Mentor, but um, our founder, Dennis, was, was looking for someone to come in and, and actually run the business, not just as a founder, but as a CEO to kind of so we can scale up. Okay. will now be five plus years ago. I'm, you know, I met Dennis and we clicked and again, culturally aligned. And I felt I could really take on this challenge of probably one of the smallest businesses I've been involved in at the time. Um, but to to grow it into something significant, not just in New Zealand, but in Australia and, and in the US. Mm. Okay, so you're sort of you're a you're a global footprint business. Yeah. yeah. So it's a long answer. Mm. The short version <laughs> is followed my gut and sought out new challenges in life. Right. Uh, that's how I got here. Yeah. Where were you just before Mobile Mentor? Then you said Mobile Mentor was probably one of the smallest ones. Were you, were you working in a corporate role I, then? I, I was. Yeah. So my my. Probably the first 20 years of my career, that's just aged me, hasn't it? Was in global corporates. Right. Procter & Gamble, Avis, Vector here in New Zealand, one of the 
sort of big listed companies, consulting, global consulting firms like Maricon and LEK. So I did, I did 20 years of right. kind of big global corporates. And then I guess I got to a point where I wanted to, again, take on my next challenge. And I decided I wanted to get into smaller privately, privately run businesses and, and help them right. bring some of my corporate experience into that. Uh, Dennis himself is ex-Nokia. He had that, you know, um, ah, okay. you know, so it was more about finding businesses where the founder wanted to step away, not necessarily step out, but step away from the running of the business to be right. much more the, the talisman and the, the sort of the visionary, I guess, and, and bring someone in who can really sort of grab the business and, and corporatize is the wrong word, but, you know, just bring in the, the scalability of a business. Yeah, Liam, you'll yeah, know that yeah. privately run businesses are yeah. often very dependent on the founder across yeah. many dimensions, right? So there's a there's a journey in that. They started as a jack of all trade and they continue to be jacks of all trade unless you can wedge them off the, often, the yeah. side of the ship like a bar, often. <laughs> like and, a barnacle. Uh, and it requires <laughs> yeah. trust and, and it requires a way of working, you know, so yeah. that's something that I've been learning myself on, on, on right. the difference of, from, I'd say, the last seven or eight years of, for my journey, my personal journey, has been about learning about how private businesses tick and how different that is to corporate businesses. Yeah, because you, you get a lot of – one of the things about corporate businesses, you do get a lot of immersion, deep immersion, and a lot of training, and you get exposed to a lot of different trainings and different – you get exposed to McKinsey's and BCG's. And, That's right. And, you know – big, long, convoluted strategy processes, and you learn through that you got to do something more agile. Or, but despite whatever happens, you're learning. So you talked a lot about following your gut and following your heart. And I know that when we met, we, we had a long chat at your place, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still remember that sort of. And um, we clicked on culture because mm. that's super important to me in the work we do at The Zone Way, at The Zone, like, really embedding that philosophy, that methodology and those tools to build these really strong cultures mm. and, you know, strong organizations. Tell us about your your views on culture, because I know that you know that it's a differentiator, but not everyone on the call or are listening to this will understand that. They'll be new to that and they'll be like, well, what is this thing called culture? And, you know, can't we just sort of stick it together with a bit of with a bit of plaster and hope that it works? Or tell us a bit about your views around. Yeah, culture. well, I mean, hard to define, eh? So I used to. I don't know if I still got it. I haven't checked recently, but on my LinkedIn profile, instead of CEO, I think I had Chief Culture Officer. Ah, okay. Because I, I thought that was my job. Uh, I still do. I didn't just think. <laughs> I still think that's my job. And I guess for me, culture is what drives the outcomes of a business ultimately if you want to grow a, if you want to grow a healthy business you need a healthy culture right. and it's a and a culture that aligns with what you're trying to achieve as a business um of right. course so for example i run an it services business we keep culture very simple we only we define it as just three three things we don't bother with all this stuff of you know trust and all that we, we think that's kind of almost like ticket to the game right you, right. You, yeah. You're not here if we don't trust you. You're not here yeah. if you don't trust you. We're not here if you're not ethical. If you're not here. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things. Uh, so we define culture as what are the three things that you'll always see running through the veins. I'm probably mixing metaphors of our of our team. You know, when I was at Avis, we used to say if you cut an Avis person in half, 
you'll see red because red is the the color. Oh, never mind the blood. Never mind the blood. But it, it, you know, you'll see red because yeah, yeah. red is the color of Avis. <laughs> yeah, metaphorically. Yeah. And so for mobile mentor, we kind of and Dennis did this work a long time ago, but I I sort of took it on and evolved it further. As a service business, we look for people who have passion for service, and it's mm-hmm. just you've just got to have that. If you don't like yeah. dealing with other people and, and 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 serving people, then then you might as well go and be a I don't know an AI programmer and and somewhere else. Like right, yeah, yeah. Stay in the back room, yeah. Right, but and, and that's fine. You know, that, that's absolutely fine. But if you don't have that passion for service, then you probably don't fit with us. The second one is lifelong learning, which actually aligns very well with YPO for us as well. I think this is standard with anyone in tech, if I'm honest. Like our tech is evolving every few weeks. So if you're not learning, if you don't like learning, if you always feel, if you don't like feeling uncomfortable, then it's not probably for you. And then the, and then the third one, and we literally just define it, three, three of them, is people before technology. And that's really fundamental to us. If we're all sort of closet geeks, or some are not even closet geeks, and some <laughs> proper geeks. And that's okay. But you've got to recognize that technology is there to serve a human, and it's the human that ultimately matters. Right. So, yes, we get excited about the technology, but only in terms of what the technology can do for right. the employee that we're serving or the customer that we're serving, right? So, right. Yeah, so it's an enabler and a, a correct. way of serving. Yes. Correct. So people learning and, and service are kind of our three things. And, and, and I guess... Well, that's what we define as culturally being mobile mentor people. And if and if I read literally, just today I was reading a report with some feedback from our customers. The theme through all of that feedback was people, learning, and service. <laughs> and and watching it being reflected back from customers, they don't say learning; they say knowledge. You know, the knowledge of your team or the, yeah, the expertise yeah, yeah, of your yeah, team. Yeah. Watching it being reflected in those words back to us from customers and customer feedback is my measure of is our culture healthy, right? Yeah. And do you, do you have to, I mean, you, know, you can't just put those posters on the wall and go people learning in service and, and, have, and, and go, so how do you pull that through? I mean, what do you do as a leader? What, what do you ask well, other people you, to do? And- yeah, we do. I'm not a big believer in posters on the wall, but we did create some lovely posters. Um, we haven't yet put, up, put them up on the walls in some of our offices because we're of the pandemic, but um, <laughs> it's not about posters on the wall. For me, a couple of things. One is you must, you must make sure you're recruiting and looking for those traits in your recruiting, right? Because if I go out there and find, I think we had this conversation just before this podcast, right? You know, I yeah. go out there and find the technical skills, that's all fine, well and good. But if the technical skills are not, don't come along with the cultural compatibility, yeah. then people won't last, because they'll come here and we'll ask them to interact with a customer and they don't want to. And so yeah. they leave, right? Because it's not. Or, or even worse, they give, a, give, give bad service. Correct. And whatever, then like, oh, whatever. You know. not, not through intent, but through just because of yeah. the way they are. So recruiting is obviously very important. And we're still a relatively small business. There's, there's kind of 80 of us across the three countries. So we, we still have control of that. As we get bigger, we need to sort of, I guess, systematize and productize that, that cultural interviews right. and all yeah. that stuff. And we've done some of that work. I think we're, we're doing more of that. The second thing is we need to keep it top of mind. We need to talk to it. In my weekly update with staff, I will often 
if not all, I won't say always because it's not always, but I will often reference either one, two, or three of our values and why that's important to me that week or right. from what I've seen or whatever it is, right? So sort of call, call it out. Call it out, right? Or something I've learned that week. And I'll talk openly with the team. Uh, I, I, I send a weekly email to all staff, which uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to do. And <laughs> I'm never convinced yeah. that everyone reads it. Some people probably put it in the folder of, uh, uh, I'm not going to bother, but I get good feedback for it, so I'll keep doing it. But I, I will talk to what I've learned that week or, or what I've observed or what I've, you know, and that's part of, or, or maybe some service that I've seen. Or again, I'm, I, I link it back to, our culture and hey by the way that's one of the, probably one of the reasons why we have three not five or six or seven because my brain's quite small and i can't hold a lot of information in it <laughs> so three three is quite good you know i see companies with five six seven values and stuff and i'm like i can't remember all of them if I'm honest. so i talk to I, I i just talk to them a fair bit and, and then the final thing that we do is we reward and recognize against those values we we you know our monthly awards or staff or, or we, we we just you know put people up who have a, have exhibited that so i mean it's not none of it is rocket science but it's really fundamental to how comfortable to how people feel comfortable in right you know when they come into the business if we've got it right at the interview point and they've they're the right cultural fit you just know it because they'll just fit in from day one and they be yeah and and it's it's not it's not race related it's not sex related it's it's diverse you know we've got i don't know how many nationalities in our business and i don't know you know we're a hugely diverse business which i love because it brings diversity of thinking but we're not culturally diverse you know we're, we're all culturally aligned right yeah so you says so that's the point of alignment you said you're about 80. Well, when we first met, I can remember you were about 40, maybe 50. So that's a huge growth since yeah, what, that's February? Yeah, kind of last year. Yeah, over so, the last year. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, less than a year. Yeah. It's like about 10, it's about 10 months. How have, you, how have you handled that growth? I mean, and, you know, how's the pandemic and the situation impacting that growth? Well, Liam, you can't see, but I used to have hair and I don't have it anymore. Now, I'm I'm lying. (laughs) You know, I didn't. I've never had hair. Look, it's been, we've had to learn a lot. We've had to learn fast and we've had to, Mm. uh, you know, trust each other and rely on each other to do things and, and again, rely on our, on our values to, to hire people and to get the right, I guess, people through the door. I mean, as you're probably aware. I mean, uh, recruiting in any industry is hard. Recruiting in IT right now is as doubly or triply hard. The, the mm. industry is exploding everywhere, and and there's not enough people in the tech sector. Full stop. Right? We need more graduates. Mm. We need more people. We need more people coming back to the workforce um, in this in the sector. Something I'm, I'm pretty passionate about as well. Mm. So, what we've had to do is just to some extent grow up a little bit and actually recognize that we can't you know i'd say a year or two ago every person that joined the business would meet me for example before they joined the business now that's not actually possible the pandemic yeah. hasn't helped of course so traveling and so on now yeah i mean obviously i still meet everybody who joins the business but so often it will be after they've joined the business right and i do i do a, a welcome kind of session and so on but but i now trust that we've got the cultural alignment that we need, that people 
coming on board will fit in and that, and that the team mm-hmm. that are doing the recruiting understand the technical skills they need. And so we mix tech, we, we match technical and cultural and we, we make that work. So okay. it's been a, yeah, it's, it's been, I think last month, it's something like 14 people join our business in the space of six or eight weeks, which is pretty full on. The other big lesson for us and credit to the, my team on this is our onboarding. We put a lot of work into the onboarding experience that someone gets when they join us in the first month, mm. how we wrap around them and how we make sure that they feel right. welcome and they've got the systems. It's nothing worse than starting your job and yeah. with spending the first two weeks trying to figure out how to use anything. You know, so yeah. when we had to automate a lot of that and uh, turn it into you know, Microsoft Forms and all sorts of stuff so that just to make the coming on board easier, because you can imagine the noise that would create if we were onboarding so many people every week. Right, yeah. So I know also when we talked, you're really big on training and development. Mm. I know it's a bit of a bug for you about how people are, companies in New Zealand think about training and development. And I, I know we talked about that as well. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Because, you know, that's... Look, I'm probably just as guilty as anybody else, right? But we don't invest enough in training and development. I, I don't think any, any right. business, and maybe I shouldn't point at New Zealand businesses alone, I think in most places. I mean, I was really lucky. I started life at Procter & Gamble on a graduate training program, and they put a lot of effort, I mean, down to things like sending me on time management courses, maybe because I needed them, I don't know, but, you know, sending me on, <laughs> on all sorts of courses that I, I don't, I, I don't see that very much anymore, maybe because we don't learn like that anymore. But I certainly don't see that level of investment going into people that I used to see, um, maybe because of where mm. I am in life. But what we've been trying to do, and again, I think we're just as guilty of this sometimes a mobile mentor, but what we've been trying to do is, don't get me wrong, I still believe that 90 plus percent of what you learn, maybe 95 percent of what you learn, you learn on the job. But you do need the tools. Right. You do need to hold. You need. You need yeah. to sort of know how to hold the tool and how to, you know, how to hold yeah. it safely and how to be efficient and so on. And you do need other people to show you those things. Even when we recruit experienced technologists into our business, doesn't mean that they know what we do uh, specifically and, and how yeah, right. we do things at Mobile Mentor. So we're always looking at ways of helping of double, I think I was telling you before, we're sort of trying to see how we double tag our engineering and our technologists onto, onto technical people, onto projects, so that they're learning. That's an investment for us, right? Because that's putting a billable resource in an unbillable place, so you're not earning money off that individual, but, but that's an, an investment, right. but it's an important investment. And recognizing that the person who's also coaching them or, or, or sort of guiding them is also going to be less efficient in the short term because they need to be spending time coaching, managing, learn, you know, teaching. Right. So that's important at the experience end. It's also important to our service desk. We, we, we offer a, a service desk to our customers. We recruit graduates straight out of college who are just, who have those cultures, the cultural fit with us, and who just want to learn how to deal with technology and customers. So... We've got a training program that takes people through, and some of our, I'm honest, some of our best engineers today are people who started on our service desk and and developed those skills um, of 
and that with that passion for service and that ability to listen beyond what the customer is telling you to really understand what their issue is uh, and really help them resolve it. Because sometimes it's not the technology. Sometimes it's the it's the it's the user, or, or sometimes yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm I'm really proud of some of our some of our best people have come from starting as frontline staff. And I would encourage anybody in a technology kind of degree to to not be afraid to put themselves out there a little bit and start in a role that is customer serving, because right. that teaches you skills, as you know, Liam. That, you don't get later when you're kind of spending all your time behind a computer yeah. screen, right? Yeah. So, and yeah, as I said, we've, we've had people spend just a few weeks in our service desk and they're like, these people are just too good technically. Let's move them on and up, up the, uh, uh, into our technical team. Yeah. Well, that, that's pretty interesting because I know from the way that neuroplasticity works, which is directly related to learning capability, that usually our neuroplasticity drops off, starts to drop off around the age 25. But before that, you're pretty much a blank canvas and your your neurons are firing and wiring and rerouting. And and so, you know, I always encourage people, don't specialise too early. Get a real diverse range of experiences and skills early on because that's when you're going to be wiring for learning. Mm. And then once you once you sort of go into that, more deep experience then get more specialist but you'll be setting yourself up for future learning and then for adult learners like us uh, daniel let's just call us adult learners <laughs> <laughs> without, without mentioning ages we know that it's short short deliveries because adult learners learn best in short bouts rather than the long immersions and so from my my studies you know because i'm a flow coach as well so yeah. it's all about that if you want to learn something you have to get your brain in the right state and that requires a bit of adrenaline to give you a little bit of a heightened alertness uh, some you know some acetylcholine uh, to give you a bit of that focus so it's like you're, you're a little bit on alert and you're you know you're focused and then some dopamine to, which is which is really the molecule of more yeah yeah, yeah. of more yeah. well it's interesting you know it's a lot of people think dopamine's a reward chemical i mean that, and it is but it's not in the same way as most people think it's actually so uh, you know to give you an example like you you go to eat a bit of chocolate right so i, I don't know if you like chocolate but you eat a I bit of chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> right and what's the ne- after you've eaten that piece of chocolate what's the next thing you think coffee but you'd like you'd like more right you'd think that bit of chocolate you think oh i wouldn't mind another bit right so dopamine is actually the neurochemical of more all ah, right yeah you see yeah, so yeah. if you want to encourage learning you get the dopamine at the end and that goes hey this learning whatever this animal is doing this human is doing this is the more chemical so now i go back and i want to learn more and that's the hunger for learning you're talking about so yeah. it'll be a neurochemical bias it's pretty interesting and i guess the, the the observation i'd make is that as i guess the younger you are the well learning to learn in itself is the fundamental thing right and yeah. if you're lucky enough to have done that when you're younger that's even even better but just constant learning learning yeah. to learn is this the because the world i remember even 
when I was graduated, and it is a while ago, someone saying to me, you know, don't, don't worry about what you do for the next 20 years because you've got another 20 after that. <laughs> and now and and, and now the conversation is around multi multiple careers and one lifetime right it's what you do for the first 20 might be not what you do for the next 20 and then possibly for the following 20 if you're if you've got a 60 year career and which is not not unheard of in in an age when everyone is going to live to 100 and or beyond that's scarily but that's true absolutely absolutely and you know the thing is that you know the other thing that promotes flow is novelty you know, like you finished your corporate career and you're like, okay, I've been there, done that. Now I want something mm. new. You were recognizing, hey, I want to push myself into flow. You might not have put it like that, but I want a more challenge. I want something new, something different. And so you sort of hooked into the flow chemistry yep. and went, okay, I'm, I'm going to improve, my, increase my challenge. Okay, that's a flow trigger. I'm going to do something new. Okay, that's a flow trigger. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so you were stacking those flow yeah. triggers, and it's 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 amazing. And you know what? It, uh, what I learned in that in that transition is that uh, there's something, you know, when you're working your way up the the corporate ladder, you can rely a lot on what you've learned to for the next thing, because corporates are corporates, right? You, you, there's a there's a pattern to them, stakeholder management, mm. and there, yeah. there's a pattern to, to corporates. They're all different. Don't get me wrong, but but there is a pattern to them. When, when I moved into the private sector and private smaller business too, because there are large private organizations, mm. which are really pretty much corporate. When I moved into the smaller business sector, suddenly all this stuff that I, I knew and I thought will, will help me do my job in the smaller business world didn't, right? Didn't, didn't apply. <laughs> like it, just, yeah. it just didn't apply. And so suddenly there's, the, the learning curve suddenly went vertical again. Right, because you're now yeah. look your experience, your your confidence, your uh, I don't know. There's there's a whole bunch of your your skills like time management and priority management and all those all still obviously your ability to communicate, your ability to to think in a different way. All those things come come together, but all the stuff that I'd learned and that had made me good at in the corporate world didn't really apply right you know you don't sit in a small business and go and produce a multi-page powerpoint presentation on strategy <laughs> like, it's like you just because everyone just got bored after the second slide it's a d- different world um but i guess that was the flow yeah. bit for me right i needed some i needed to do something different yeah doing something different doing it a different way putting you into a challenging situation and you know i find that a lot with the with the ceos and coach when i coach the teams that Often you'll find some CEOs and they can feel the mediocrity creep up on them. And they're like, ah, I don't know, I've been doing this for years. And I say, well, that's your problem. <laughs> You've been doing it for years. I like, and, you know, sure, you can always get better. But if you repeat something long enough, it's a bit like, you know, you drive down the same road, same road, and you, you set your life up and you think, ah, oh, I've got it sussed. And then all of a sudden it becomes it's autopilot. Yeah, if you go into <laughs> autopilot, then you've got to, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so it's like, hey, let's change something up. Well, you know, stretch yourself, challenge yourself, you know, like start leaning into innovation, go and sit the old days with the sort of the WeWork and stuff in Europe when I was working in Europe. And I said, you go and sit in the WeWorks or the, the crowd cubes where the tech businesses are, are mushrooming and go and sit there and talk to the young people. And, and every time they did that, they were like, wow, that was incredible. And they didn't really learn anything particularly about tech they were, or whatever, because they, they were pretty tech savvy. 
But what they learned was just how people approached it differently. They're just looking at the problem very different way. And it's like, wow, that just opened my eyes. So, so that's really cool. I'll say something else, Liam. That one of the things I learned in that, tran- well, maybe not in that transition, but you, to your original question around leadership and CEO is, I think in the early days of my career, I felt that in order to progress, I had to know more, be the smartest person in the room. Because especially, I think, in the corporate world, you're trying to stand out amongst your peers and it's quite competitive. And and so you're always trying to be the one that says the smart thing or the whatever it is, right? And as I I got older, I guess, and and maybe as I moved out of corporate as well, I realized that actually it's the opposite. You probably want to be the dumbest person in the room and surround (laughs) yourself, make sure you surround yourself with, with a lot smarter people than you yeah yeah and just to be just to be just to be absolutely sure we're not talking about dumb we're talking about dumb dumbest so it's dumber smart, or dumber yeah yeah dumber. <laughs> i'd like to think yeah dumb. it's a relative thing i'm, I'm going relatively yeah, yeah 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 because and actually it's okay to not know the answer in fact that's probably where the right, right the best answers come is when when you allow other people to voice their opinions and and their thinking especially if you've made sure you're surrounding yourself Mm. with smart people (laughs) yeah and so uh, you know my my style has definitely evolved to making sure that i'm the last i try although it's hard for me because i'm a talker i try and be the last person in the room to talk if i can right yeah so give everyone that air space first yeah Yeah. i have opinions and i have very strong opinions but I try sometimes work really hard to not voice them for the risk of kind of drowning other opinions. So you've just got to yeah. you've just got to be more of a listener and thinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, despite what you say, you know, your CEO title for a lot of people comes with a little bit of a power differential. And even though you're trying to flatten the power and you know be equal. I've worked with a lot of CEOs, and it's like they go into the room and they make a comment, and everyone thinks it's an order. And then the, the whole room pivots and starts going down that route, which was a totally wrong route to go. And the, C, the CEO was just asking making a, a comment, <laughs> yeah. asking a question. They're like, oh, let's do that 400-page yeah, uh, yeah. PowerPoint. Oh, we, be, we, better, we get a, better get McKinsey's in, yeah. and then they, then they spin their wheels, yeah. and, and you know, they come back and say, oh, is this what you wanted? And they were like, what? <laughs> they can't remember what they said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're coming to a sort of the end of our time and I, I want to give you a, a chance to tell us a bit about your business and you know I know that you've talked a lot about about culture and cultural fit and, you know so um, I mean do you need people if anyone's listening oh yeah no, we're always know. looking for people as I said especially at that <laughs> graduate level sort of techno technical uh, you know computers or computer science or whatever it is we're always looking for those kind of people but also software engineers and we're always looking for good people uh, i guess what we are and you're a, you're a microphone we're a microsoft, microsoft house we're, we're, right? we won this year one of, yeah. one of the reasons we're growing so much is this year we won a global partner of the year award from microsoft which oh, wow. was which was you know a typical kiwi company punching above its uh, its its weight and yeah, that's of fantastic Four thousand entries and, and and there's us and so you know that 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 put us definitely put us on the radar across the the world. We're a service company. We, specifically, we, we kind of talk about ourselves as being endpoint 
specialists. So we look after the endpoints of an organization, that be a, a laptop, tablet, a mobile, what I would define as the interface with which you do your work. Right, whether you're a, okay. you know any device mm-hmm. that you use to do your work, whether you're a nurse in a hospital and using iPads, or, or or whether you're you know an office worker. Nowadays, it's, that's a rare thing. <laughs> We're a home worker. Uh, we look after endpoints yeah. and we look after the security of those endpoints, and so we, we provide that as a service to to many organisations, government, healthcare, and many others across Australia, New Zealand, and the US. And we do use Microsoft. We're a Microsoft partner because we use. Microsoft technology uh, called Intune to deliver those services. Um, so we, we leverage Microsoft's capability and, and we don't have our own software. It's, it's really right. leveraging right. what companies already buy because they buy Microsoft 365 licenses and that's already wrapped up in there. But we just help them drive it better. Right? I think it's the way to put it. Right, right. Um, so yeah, we're, look, we're, yeah, yeah, so and, that- and we're growing across all three countries. So we're always looking for customers and for, for people to join us. But again, I, I guess I talk to our culture. If you put people before tech, if you're a lifelong learner and if you're passionate about service to others, then be in touch. You'll learn a lot. That's what I can guarantee. And it sounds like those three things, passion for service, lifelong learning, and people before technology or people before product, whatever you call it, are actually great qualities for leaders as well. Yeah, of course. As a leader, maybe that's why I'm here. As a leader, you know, you've got to it's always about your people. You're only ever as good as your team. Uh, there's no I in being a leader, right? It's literally, there's no I. It's always the we. And you've got to be passionate about serving your, I mean, I'm a you know, servant leader. You've got to be passionate about serving your team and your customers. Your customers because they pay your bills, but your team because they're, they're the ones that put the hard yards in to deliver. Uh, and as a leader, if you think you know it all, you're not going to last, right? You've got to be a you've got to be a learner, and that's right. why YPO is so great. Because by joining YPO, recognizing that you can be a better leader, yeah, those three. You're probably right. Those three right, uh, sort of sync really well with my style of leadership, I guess. Yeah, and it sounds like you know all, all leaders could lean into those, you know, as as a foundation at least. So, last question, uh, Daniel, and I'll let you go and. Do your Friday night takeaway for the family, a bit of a tradition in New Zealand, helping out the retailers. But how do people get in touch with you? Oh, look, our website is mobile-mentor.com or mobilementor.com. It will come up on any search engine. There's a contact us bit there. Or find me on LinkedIn, Daniel McCarthy, Mobile Mentor, and drop me a line. Or or contact anybody at Mobile Mentor, actually. We're all on LinkedIn and online. So feel free to drop me a line a lot of people try and get hold of me through through linkedin so just make sure you you're clear on what you're trying to achieve there's a lot of spam there's a lot of spam <laughs> on linkedin these days um so yeah there is isn't it? i i get i get so there's a lot spams. of spam on linkedin oh so God. so be clear when you're contacting me and what why you're contacting me because uh, if you just reach out with yeah, a yeah, connect yeah. i probably won't connect <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 like leave yeah, I know what you're saying is put some correct. effort into it. <laughs> that is what I'm saying. Put some effort into it um, and then be in touch. Yeah, correct. Um, hey, that's great. Thank you, Liam. That's I've great. enjoyed this. Any last words of wisdom before we, we, we sign off? Or? No, I guess going back to your, your culture and, and leadership, one and the same thing, right? You lead a culture Yep. and it's, it, it's always a journey. There's always much more you can mm. do. Um, I'm very proud of where we are today, but I'm 
I'll be proud of next year when we do more work on our on our culture and 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 on our growth and our our people. Yeah. So I've enjoyed sharing with you. Oh, Leo. that's fantastic. Always a good reminisce, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's always been great, and to have that that strong connection through through YPO because we know who we are. Then you know, like we we know we can we can look at each other and know what we mm. stand for. We're, so we know we already have that value set. So I think that's another powerful reason to connect. So Daniel, thank you. Uh, it's been a real pleasure, and now we're out of lockdown. Probably next year. Now I'll uh, pop yeah. Well. In. See you we can literally practically walk to each other's houses by the sounds of it, if you're if you're right, Eden. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm offering often, you know, even during the lockdown when you could get on your bike, I was riding out your way. <laughs> I'll catch you soon. Indeed, yeah, no, let's let's get together in the new year. I'd love to see, I'd love to catch up properly. All right, thanks, Liam. Thanks, Dan. Bye for now. Ciao. The Zone Way is a philosophy, a methodology, and a set of tools to create enlightened leaders and enlightened organizations. If you'd like to know more, you can get in touch with us on www.thezone.co. Until next time, ciao for now.